Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. If you're making vacation plans, consider the Crypto Weekend Retreat I'm teaching with Meltem Demiris of CoinShares and Jala Jobin Putra of Future Perfect Ventures in September. It'll be at the beautiful Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York from September 20th to 22nd. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to sign up. Also, if you're not yet signed up for my weekly newsletter, go to unchainedpodcast.com to sign up. And don't forget that Unchained and Unconfirmed are now on YouTube. You can go and subscribe there to be alerted to all the latest episodes of both shows. Crypto.com is the place you can buy crypto at true cost. Earn up to 8% per year on your BTC, ETH, XRP, and more. Install the Crypto.com app now. CypherTrace cutting-edge cryptocurrency intelligence powers anti-money laundering, blockchain analytics, and threat intel. Leading exchanges, virtual currency businesses, banks, and regulators themselves use CypherTrace to comply with regulation and to monitor compliance. Today's guest is Lawson Baker, Head of Operations and General Counsel at TokenSoft. Disclosure, before we get into the show, TokenSoft was a previous sponsor of my show. Welcome, Lawson. Hey, Laura, how are you? Good. Glad to have you. So there was a lot of regulatory news this week, but I wanted to start with one that I know you were particularly following, which is the SEC's statement on broker-dealers in the crypto space, and it was titled Joint Staff Statement on Broker-Dealer Custody of Digital Asset Securities. So before we get to the statement itself, I want to have you explain the backstory behind why this statement that they released matters? Like, what is a broker-dealer? What do they do in crypto? And what specifically were people waiting for to be resolved regarding this issue? Sure. Uh, so just kind of quick disclaimer. Um, all of these opinions are mine and not TokenSoft, and I'm not giving legal or financial advice. Um, but by, by, by way of background, um, the security token space is essentially this idea of uh, selling uh, investments to people um, that are associated with uh, either traditional financial assets or more crypto native assets. You know, post 2017, um, uh, when TokenSoft launched, there were a number of people who kind of trended towards we needed to do these sales, the token sales to follow securities laws. And so that's really what we focused on at, at TokenSoft. And uh, the the market, as it trended towards um, following the securities laws, essentially started following uh, rules related to private um, security sales and uh, selling to credit investors or registering their security. And uh, one of the key issues with that is um, when you're doing a token sale, a security token sale, um, after the tokens are sold, um, who can hold them? And uh, in the context of security tokens, um, uh, broker dealers can hold them if they're approved to uh, hold uh, custody 
of, of security tokens. So it's, people call that a carrying broker dealer in the space. Um, and, and currently, uh, there are a number of broker dealers that are approved to quote hold security securities. Um, the SEC, however, has essentially told um, the vast majority of uh, broker dealers in the space a kind of a side, hey, you shouldn't be dealing with uh, security tokens until we tell you how to deal with them. And so while they may be approved for custody of securities, they're kind of like nudging them and saying, you probably shouldn't hold security tokens until we approve that. And so that's like this, this current class of, of broker dealers. And then there's like this new age class of um, exchanges uh, or uh, exchanges like Coinbase or um, just trust companies and a, a whole other group of people who are trying to get approval for brand new broker dealers and new exchanges that can um, hold securities on behalf of its uh, users and investors. For the past probably two years, um, all of their applications have been in limbo. And uh, at the end of 2018, um, the kind of the word on the street with if you were talking to the SEC was, hey, we're going to release new guidance in the first quarter of 2019 over how to custody security tokens. Um, and that kind of like helped the, the market be like, OK, we're this good. Let's get some guidance and then we can go forward. Um, and then the government was shut down for all of January. Uh, and it essentially took till June, July 8th. Uh, a little over six months of the year to get the first part of this guidance, um, and so what what they did in their in their guidance is more like stating the issues and maybe drawing the lines of where the issues are present. Um, so, draw, from the drawing the lines perspective, they um, kind of clarified if if you're operating an ATS but not actually taking custody of the tokens on the exchange when. Uh, there's uh, a sale, meaning uh, me, Lawson, holder of, of uh, pre-IPO stock, uh, selling my um, securities directly to Laura. Um, I can use the ATS to help facilitate that sale, um, but I have to send those securities, security tokens directly to Laura. Um, and so part of the part of the release was kind of clarifying where who is not technically uh, subject to these type of rules, um, which is not really news so much as just kind of like highlighting uh, uh, what that looks like in the context of security tokens. And then, and then they really focused on like, why do we care about um, the issues uh, related to custody of security tokens? And it really kind of comes down to, uh, uh, to, to two things. One is how, how can, in the context of a, of a security token and things on the blockchain, how can you prove you actually are the only uh, entity that custodies security tokens is the first thing. And the second thing is, like, how do we make sure investors are protected? Um, and and uh, those concerns directly relate to uh, how cryptocurrencies and how tokens on blockchains work today. Uh, with, with regards to how do broker dealers prove uh, they control uh, security tokens um, for the same way that like how would it, how would Lawson prove he owns um, his Bitcoin? Um, that's a really uh, un- really kind of an unsolved problem because we, what you essentially have is a private keys that can unlock your access to the cryptocurrencies or security tokens. Um, you can't prove you're the only person with those private keys. You can only prove that you have a like reasonable good process to securely generate those keys or, or break up those keys where you're the only one with control of it, but you can't 
actually prove that no one else somehow got access to your private keys. And so that's kind of this one issue that's frankly unsolved and will only be solved by um, uh, uh, well, well-drafted policy procedures and then auditing of it after the fact, um, kind of like anything else you would audit, financials or standard operating controls. Um, with regards to the second issue is like, how do you protect uh, investors? This really kind of comes down to this concept of like, where's the undo button? In all of traditional finance, uh, both banks and um, uh, broker-dealers, uh, there's an undo button. Um, if there is a mistake, um, uh, the regulator knows who to tell to fix it. Um, and the con- consumer or investor knows who to say, hey, you need to fix that. And so, like, what, what, wh- why would you need an undo button um, uh, with regards to security tokens? Uh, it's pretty plain and simple. Security tokens are traditionally, for traditional finance assets, are associated with off-chain assets, off-chain businesses. Uh, and as a result, um, is a little bit of a different ex- experiment than, than cryptocurrencies. Uh, uh, you know, censorship resistance is not really a narrative of, of security tokens. Um, security tokens need what I call God mode. They need the ability to have undo buttons. Um, and so um, this idea uh, of the undo button would address things like um, uh, if I accidentally sent my security token to the wrong address or they ac- the broker-dealer accidentally sent the uh, security tokens to the wrong address, they need to be able to fix that problem for the investor. Or if I passed away, my will says these securities need to go to uh, my girlfriend or my you know, my heirs or whoever, um, they, they need a functional way, um, to transfer those, uh, security tokens to somebody else. Um, from our perspective at TokenSoft, this is a solved problem. Um, you know, we, we co-authored, I co-authored with this TokenSoft team, ERC 1404, which is essentially a, a security token standard, um, that, that both implements, uh, the transfer restrictions associated, uh, with security tokens, um, which aren't present on normal cryptocurrencies in addition to uh, giving the security token issuer um, for unregistered securities or transfer agents um, for registered securities, God mode. Um, If there's a mistake, uh, there's a button to fix it, essentially. And so for the companies that were kind of waiting in the wings for this guidance, do you feel like what was released this week is enough for them to proceed? (sighs) It's kind of no news news. The fact that they put it out was nice. Um, I think there was some internal conflict for them to be able to put something like this out. Um, uh, now that it's out, in addition to, I think we're going to talk about later, the the Reg A, the first Reg A approved with Blockstack. Um, I, I think we're unfreezing. The SEC is unfreezing now. I think we'll, I think they must, I think probably if you're thinking in their, in their mindset, first they need to release what we think the issues are. And then they're probably going to either follow that up with more direct um, solutions over like what they expect custodians to do, or we'll just start seeing approvals. So all of these uh, um, applications for carrying broker dealers are going to probably start getting approved. Um, so I know a number of exchanges applied for it. Uh, the Anchorage uh, startup in the space applied for it. Um, there are a number of of uh, startups and exchanges and, and even uh, established financial institutions um, that are asking for permission, even if technically they can hold securities. Um, I think we'll start to see potentially approval now that we have this this uh, kind of first uh, guidance out. 
All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to discuss Blockstack's Reggae plus ICO and also the Libra congressional hearings next week. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. Will the world follow France and advocate banning privacy coins? Will government-backed stablecoins become the new fiat? Are distributed and peer-to-peer exchanges just a flash in the pan? The answer is maybe. Virtual currencies can flourish and create a new, private, and more versatile economy. But that grand vision can't happen without keeping crypto clean. And that requires support of governments and accountability for bad actors. Privacy-enhanced compliance using cryptographic controls has the potential to preserve anonymity without compromising legitimate investigations. CypherTrace is working on this vision of the future. Sign up to stay up to date on the privacy-enhanced compliance initiative and receive authoritative crypto AML reports quarterly. www.cyphertrace.com slash keep crypto clean. Crypto.com is the place you can buy crypto at true cost. You can buy over 40 coins at the lowest possible prices with no fees and no markups. At Crypto.com, we grow your crypto for you too. You can earn up to 8% per year on BTC, ETH, XRP, and more when you deposit in any of the one-month, three-month, or flexible terms. Download the Crypto.com app on iOS or Android now. Back to my conversation with Lawson Baker of Tokensoft. So before we move on to Blockstack, I just have one last question, which is when I was reading the SEC uh, statement on broker-dealers, there was something about some of the wording where it made me think that this regulation, and this is not a thought, uh, this is a thought that I've had before as well from reading some of the other guidance, where reading this statement, I also, you know, thought, oh, regulation broadly might push the industry further into a sort of peer-to-peer slash non-custodial direction. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, that's exactly what the technology allows for. Um, you know, when you read the release, they were talking about in, in the context of when there are peer to peer type transfers, it's i.e. The, the broker dealer is not actually custodying the tokens in between. Um, then they're basically saying that's not what this is talking about. Um, so if, if you're at shares post ATS or open finance ATS or any of the other, uh, ATSs, which is an alternative trading system, um, exchange in the space, um, uh, the, unless they're approved for custody, that the they can't escrow the transaction. So I, I can't send it first to them before you send the money to them, and then they release both sides. Um, it just has to go between either a, a trust company, um, which um, is not under SEC jurisdiction, could do it, um, or it would have to go peer to peer. I would have to send it directly to you. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of how the market's been operating today. Uh, without approval, peer to peer is what's frankly been uh, necessary in most contexts. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cypherpunk of the government, I think. Yeah, yeah I'm okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> um, all right, so let's now talk about the big news this week uh, regarding Blockstack with this first regulated ICO. And at the moment of recording. Uh, they haven't announced whether or not they sold all the $28 million worth of tokens on sale, but they have been tweeting that they kept having to like spin up extra servers and stuff due to demand. So what effect do you think that this uh, Reggae Plus offering by Blockstack, and now there's another one that's also been approved, what do you think that those will, what effect do you think those will have on the ICO phenomenon? Will we see more crypto projects go this route? 
Definitely. Um, you know, Blockstack's a really cool project that I've been following for a few years now. Um, uh, and yes, they were previously on the show, by the way. Cool. But it was a yeah. long time ago. I should probably yeah, them yeah, money. <laughs> it was like I think two or three yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Very cool technology. It's, it's basically something around this idea of like moving back towards um, a peer to peer version of the internet with like local data and local identity um, interacting with distributed distributed systems. Um, it's a very cool project. Um, it's unfortunate they're having issues with uh, their their sale and their service provider, but um, I think it really highlights what I what I agree with is this idea um, that. Normal investors want access to some of this technology and these investment opportunities. And so, you know, the current uh, securities laws uh, today don't really allow for the for a, a, a not accredited investor, uh, you know, uh, Joe Plummer to in, invest in many uh, early stage projects, whether it be early stage companies or early stage um, tokens. Um, those normally fall under. Uh, you know, you have to fall under an exemption where you can only sell to accredited investors, people with um, a certain amount of income or wealth. Um, what Reg A Plus does is essentially say, "Hey, hey, startup uh, or or uh, early stage um, crypto project, um, you can sell to a uh, up to a certain dollar amount. Uh, it's either fifty million dollars or there's there's also a twenty five million dollar number uh, in one year. Um, there's also a cap number over a multi year period based off your assets." Um, you can sell up to, let's call it $50 million to uh, uh, normal consumers uh, that are not accredited investors um, in a, in this kind of a, a mini IPO model. It's not a full-blown registration like when uh, when uh, Google or, or um, Airbnb or whoever goes public. Um, it's, it's, it's like a, it's an in-between uh, exempt security and a full-blown registration in that it has little bit less requirements over um, how many years of financial statements and audits and and those type of things uh, but it allows for you to to sell up to in in blockstacks case up to 50 million dollars um, to consumers directly to consumers um, in the reggae um, uh, requirements uh, you have to you can only invest a certain amount of your income or uh, net wealth I think it's like 10 percent. Um, and so the, the, the block stack approval is part of this narrative I was going back to earlier with the SEC first gave this guidance. And now we just saw our first approval that's kind of related. I, I think that's, that goes along with the narrative that we could start seeing a lot more approvals. Um, the, the rumor last fall, uh, was there something around 100 to 150 uh, crypto native uh, Reg A projects uh, in some sort of uh, back and forth uh, uh, filing stage trying to get approval for Reg A's um, in the crypto space? Um, I don't know how many of those are still around because um, there's high quality projects and there's not always high quality projects. Um, but um, I know at Tokensoft, we've been talking to a lot of people and are ready and, to, and can already support Reg A offerings. Um, and we expect there to be a, a whole bunch more um, uh, that are going to go live uh, now that we start seeing the first few kind of come out. And then just briefly before we move on to Facebook, do you think that the requirements for crypto companies to file a Reg A plus are too onerous? Because I noticed that Maneeb Ali, the CEO of Blockstack, said that Blockstack spent $2 million on their filing, which that's a pretty heavy lift for 
a project that's just starting out? Do you think that could stifle innovation? Yeah, I mean, the the the, the idea of Reg A was to, to frankly cost less and be less of a burden than a full registration. And those type of dollar amounts sound like a f- full registration type of cost. Um, however, the fact of the matter is, I think um, for the good and the bad, um, the block stacks of the world and Manib uh, had to do a lot of educating of the regulators, um, just like a lot of the uh, broker dealers were trying to get approved. I'm, I'm willing to yeah, bet. He, he did tell. Yeah. He did tell the Wall Street Journal that um, he has been calling it his uh, Blockstack's two million dollar donation to the crypto industry. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think they did a lot of education, and I'm okay with that. Um, it's 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 unfortunate for them. I, I'm glad they are willing to do it. Um, not everyone is good at educating and giving analogies and trying to help the regulator understand. Hey, this is how it's similar, and this is how it's different, and here's how we compensate for that. Um, you know, we we spent a lot of time uh, thinking about that at, at TokenSoft and trying to make sure we account for that and how we design our systems. Um, and I think Benib did a good job. You know, they they got it approved, and so you know, congrats to them. Yeah, and and also just to give people more context, I mean, they have really big name backers like Union Square Ventures, yeah. which is you know hugely influential in the space. And and yeah, it's not like they're. Um, <laughs> they're it's not like they yeah, don't they, they have, have, they have uh, cash good, that they yeah, yeah they, they, they had they raised money in 2017 <laughs> i think they raised around 50 million if i remember correctly back then um yeah. and have and frankly yeah. have been on an incredibly lean team i think the last numbers i heard were like 15 or 17 people um and so they're not okay. burning money i'll say that um uh they're, they're pointing okay. it towards the right resources presumably um uh until they're ready to, to deploy it yeah. faster All right. So let's now turn to what's on the horizon for next week, which is the congressional hearings on Facebook's Libra. Both the Senate and the House are interested in this. What will you be looking for during those hearings? Yeah. Uh, So so Libra is, is, uh, uh, this is for everybody who's not aware, is um, uh, Facebook's uh, attempt at putting together a, quote, uh, distributed or decentralized cryptocurrency. Um, it's a little bit of different structure. They they um, are looking for a uh, hundred partners to be part of the validation system and and, and consensus system of the the Libra blockchain. Um, and those uh, those partners are essentially they've said that we want them to be well known, capitalized, and um, uh, should be brands consumers trust. Um, uh, and these 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 brands and these companies will help secure the network and secure the funds. Um, in addition to um, they have uh, a, I believe it's a Swiss foundation um, that will um, hold um, in it a basket of uh, government fiat currencies. And so the Libra um, token is, is, quote, backed by a basket of, of U.S. dollars and euros and pounds and maybe the Chinese yen. I forget who's the entire basket. No, um, it's, but it's a Japanese yen. It is? Mm-hmm. Japanese yen. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. It's basically this idea of a cryptocurrency backed by a basket of assets, um, uh, supported and quote secured by a hundred different entities. Um, and so, uh, as you're well aware, um, the uh, House Financial Services Committee, um, uh, when they heard the Libra announcement, um, uh, basically said, "Hey." Hey, Facebook, uh, you need to get our approval or talk to us first before you do that. And um, their, their concerns are a number of concerns, if I'm a guessing man. Um, most of them are probably a little bit of like overflow from just Facebook concerns. So things like privacy, 
um, in too much control and how big and, and, and how much can Facebook influence. Um, I think as we saw in the prior elections, people believe there was influence that occurred on Facebook with the elections. And so the question is, do they want a uh, potential new type of money to be influenced um, by Facebook or things that happen on Facebook? Um, uh, in addition to Facebook's got a lot of consumer data. And so they're very concerned with like um, people's should people's financial lives be associated or attached to their financial lives. Um, so is that something? Go ahead. Given this context, like what do you think the likelihood is that the uh, regulators will keep Libra from happening? Uh, you know, can they keep it from happening? Uh, I think the social pressure is probably more, uh, ha- will have more of an effect than, uh, what from a regulatory stance they can do. I think they probably have a pretty buttoned up structure of how they can do it. The question is, do they think they have enough social pressure to allow them to do that? Um, so, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pro the Libra project cause I'm pro attention on cryptocurrencies. I believe the, uh, Libra project is like similar to stable coins and is probably a little bit different of experiment than things like Bitcoin and, and uh, truly crypto native assets that aren't associated with off-chain assets or off-chain entities. So I think attention on the space is okay and is good. Yeah. I mean, uh, will I it guess get approved? the, I don't the know. one thing is, yeah, I just feel like the timing for Facebook to do this, it's like the, you know, they're, kind of popularity, at least in the halls of government is probably at somewhat of an all time low. And so in that regard, it just feels like, oh, yeah, okay, so maybe Libra might be a good project. But you know, is this the right time? But one other thing that I noticed this week was the former governor of the People's Bank of China suggested that China should do its own version of Libra. Do you think that specter of like a digital yuan will pressure the US or I guess other non Chinese regulators to allow Libra to go through? Yeah, um, no, that's a good point. Uh, Mason, the CEO and one of the co-founders of TokenSoft, wrote an open letter to the the head of the Financial Services Committee in the House um, that basically said, "Hey, we understand your concerns, um, and we also understand your concerns that like should these type of projects be banked in Swiss foundations." Um, and part of Mason's call was like, "Hey, you should open the doors um, to the U.S. to cryptocurrency projects like Libra, um, like Blockstack." Um, you know, giving clarity around things like Ethereum and, and Bitcoin, um, because uh, if you don't, uh, other countries will compete. Um, and so, you know, part of the, you know, there's a number of narratives of, 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 of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and these type of things. And one of them is competition. Um, uh, when when yes. you make money, when you make money software, um, you're going to have a whole lot of competition with the best software. And, uh, um, uh, you know, beyond software, you then have like social influence. Um, and so 100% governments can and will make cryptocurrencies. If the U.S. is not awake and paying attention to that, then they will, they're going to, they're going to lose. It's as simple as that. Um, that being said, right. uh, you know, that, that, that being said, I, I think there's this, uh, there's this whole other narrative of, of cryptocurrencies and this idea of separation of money from state. Um, and that's what Bitcoin is doing in a very similar way to, uh, separation religion of state. Bitcoin is trying to separate money from state. The question is, should corporations also be separated from money? Um, uh, you know, that's, that's for the, the, the community in the world to decide, but these are the narratives that are fighting right now. All right. Well, we will see how it plays out. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks for coming on Unconfirmed. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about the topics we discussed, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player. If you haven't yet signed up for my weekly newsletter, please go to unchainedpodcast.com right now and sign up right on the homepage. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Factual Recording, Anthony Yoon, Daniel Ness, and Rich Struffolino. Thanks for listening.